Smashed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Oh, Benyera, beautifully done. Cornet finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still. Oh, my word, what a goal. Golovin. Lovely finish. Ajax delivery. Gendouzi's header. Here's an opportunity. Sanchez. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Play it again. And Goldberg. Messi again. This time, maybe Messi's done it. M&M Magic get PSG firing as Trois live up to their name at the Parc des Princes. It's OMG as the bloody Tudor period continues in Strasbourg. And it's no LOLing matter with Lacazette writing the blanc checks against LOSC. That's all coming up on this week's LBJ Le Beau Jeu, the official Ligue 1 podcast in English. Hello and bienvenue. I'm I-A-N. Sorry, uh, Ian. little bit uh, acronym Obsessed this morning, the host of today's pun-heavy acronym-obsessed pod with me, Luke Entwistle, from the uh, hopefully sunny Côte d'Azur, and Angus Taroda, the slightly less sunny, I should imagine, Ile-de-France, the region around Paris. How are we doing, boys? I'm good. Very enthusiastic this morning, yeah, Luke. I was, I was, that was, that was, that was, that was the hugely well, I... energetic Luke Entwistle. Yeah. Always enthusiastic. Always enthusiastic on a very sunny Côte d'Azur, as you rightly say. Another lovely morning. We're still in the 20s down here, so... Uh... Yeah, thanks, Luke. We don't need to hear that. It was nearly 30 degrees, though, actually, as I walked to the Parc des Princes on Saturday. Nice segue mm. there. Uh, thanks, Luke, for that one. And um, PSG against Troyes. PSG had hit Maccabi Haifa for seven in the Champions League on Tuesday. Surely this one would be another goal fest. It was, just not in the way that everybody thought it would be. And an opportunity... And an opening goal against the odds. Who would have thought it? The Trois players look stunned themselves. It's Mama Balde volleying in. Superb finish from him for his sixth league goal of the season. Stunned scenes at the Parc des Princes. Trying to go through the middle, but it's a lot of blue shirts. But here's an opportunity, Soler, brilliantly done by Carlos Soler. They were patient, they didn't look to be a way through, but they found one. And a super finish from Soler. He got his first PSG goal against Maccabi Haifa in midweek. Two in two now. Super movement, great ball into him from Neymar. And brilliantly taken. Oh, an opportunity for Balde. Unbelievable. He had time and space to turn in Mama Balde. And he's buried it again. And it's PSG 1, Trois 2. Long range effort. And a stunning goal from who else but Lionel Messi. Well, when you're struggling to break opponents down, you need a moment of individual brilliance sometimes. And Messi has just produced one. An absolutely sizzling drive from Leo Messi to bring PSG level. His seventh league goal of the season. Side. The centre circle, it's a brilliant ball for Neymar. 
and it's a brilliant goal. Messi and Neymar teaming up for PSG's third and the holes are in front now. Sensational through ball. There's no other word for it from Lionel Messi. He picked the ball up inside his own half. The movement of Neymar was good. The finish was superb. But the pass weighted perfectly. He spotted it, did Messi. And timed it brilliantly. And what a finish that is from Neymar. He's level now with Mbappe on 10 league goals for the season. Happy to keep possession for the moment and trying to work their way through. Messi and Neymar. And a chance, maybe. And it is a penalty. Well, we saw Neymar do that little move and play the ball through to Mbappe. Soler did it. One-on-one -on -one with Gallup and was brought down. Palmer Brown just trying to hold off the Spain international, but couldn't. Soler sneaked in the leg. And he does emphatically killing Mbappe. A fourth for PSG, and that surely Puts the result beyond doubt. Lopez with it. This is better delivery this time. Drops for Ripa and a chance. And headed in by Palaversa, the substitute. It's 4-3. Ripa was in there making a nuisance of himself. He helped it back across. And it's Palaversa. Heads home. Croatian midfielder who's just come off the bench. And Trois are back within one. An incredible game at the Parc des Princes. So Trois, appropriately enough, the French word for three. But uh, no one saw that coming, did they, Luke? Certainly not. I had this down as a four or five nil kind of game. But uh, if you kind of get under PSG's skin early, if you kind of disrupt their rhythm a little bit, uh, you can get a little bit nervous, and that kind of showed on, on Saturday. You get an early goal, and uh, it feels as though it's one of those clubs that always lives on the precipice of absolutely fine and all fit and foreign and a little bit dysfunctional. And they were just for, not for too long, they kind of got themselves back on track in that game through sheer you know weight of, of talent, especially up front. Um, although um, we might get on to talking about the M&M, but Two of the three are definitely very fit and foreign at the minute since the start of the season. One of them is, is kind of tailing off a little bit. Um, but because of that undoubted talent, I think they're always going to be able to get past Trois, um, who over the course of a, of a 90 minute period, but yeah, they're a little bit nervous for them. Um, didn't I thought there would be a little bit more of a mad scramble at the end after that late third goal. Um, but PSG just managed to, to control that, solve the game out quite well with the game management in the last few minutes. But uh, a little bit nervous and certainly unexpected. I, I didn't expect Trois to, to put up any res resistance at all, to be honest. So, Luke, I, I wasn't going to talk about Eminem right now, but you've just ripped up the running order right there. Who exactly is tailing off amongst Messi, Neymar and Mbappe? I mean, Mbappe? It's, it's all relative, but uh, Mbappe has not quite looked fully himself. For the past couple of weeks, it's just a few performances where 
he's missing chances that you wouldn't expect him to miss. He's a very, very clinical finisher, but that has tailed off slightly in the last few weeks. Messi and Neymar have been the real headline acts of, of PSG's starts the season and have been incredible. Um, and, and Mbappe is already into double figures. Uh, so everything is relative, but he just doesn't seem fully at ease. Obviously, there's all of the stuff going on behind the scenes uh, that's kind of died down for now, but it just feels as though uh, anything could just reignite that fire and um, it become a huge issue again for PSG. But uh, he's still got a goal on Saturday. Um, so that's why I say that everything is relative because he's still scoring. He's still getting the odd assists, not as many as, as Messi or Neymar. Uh, so he's still a huge contributor for PSG, but not quite in the red-hot form that we've seen him in, in, uh, in the previous weeks and months. So you heard it here first. League goal-scoring leader Kylian Mbappe tailing off, says uh, Luke Edwistle <laughs> after his 11th goal in, uh, what, uh, 12 appearances? Yes, that's the sort of form that, yeah, terrible. <laughs> Flog him, sell him now. Um, but it's true, I have to say that Messi... Well, Ian, it... Go ahead, Angus, yeah. Ian, it depends on who you're comparing them to, because, I mean, you like your acronyms, and I think that TGB are actually the, the in-form trio in uh, Liga at the moment. Terrier and Beauregard, uh, and uh, Guiri Beauregard. I keep calling him Beauregard in my spare time. Beauregard, who uh, they are absolutely on fire at the moment. They've scored um, 12 goals between them in the, the last uh, seven games. Only 11 scored by MNM in the last uh, seven games comparatively speaking. And uh, Borrejo, admittedly, the other three did score 17 in the first six games, so you have to put that into context as well. But it's a stat I like. Ren are absolutely on fire at the moment. And they are, I would say, the form trio up front in Liga at the moment. Well, more controversy here on Le Borgio. You heard it here uh, probably for almost certainly first from Luke <laughs> Whistler and, and, and Angus de Rode. Um uh, Let's just... Let's just stick to the facts, gentlemen. Lionel Messi, uh, Neymar. They were facts. Well, those yes, were facts. Very yeah, selective, those are the, very the selectively, statistics that do very, not lie. Very selectively <laughs> selected, uh, shall we say? Um, I was just going to say that that the one one of the I've had the privilege of being at the Parc des Princes for PSG's last two games. Now, Christoph Galtier said it was a privilege to watch these boys in action, and it, it has been over the last hundred and eighty minutes unbelievable. Unbelievable. We had a Rabona through ball from Neymar on, uh, was that on Tuesday against Maccabi Haifa? A chance that, uh, maybe a half chance for, for Mbappe that he didn't take. So maybe you're quite right, Luke. And then an even better one. I don't know if you guys <laughs> saw this through ball. You can't describe this as a through oh, ball yes. from Neymar. He just spins <laughs> around and then like sort of back heel struck, flicks it through three trois defenders. I think Mbappe was even taken by surprise because it was it was so good and he, he, he managed to shoot straight at Gauthier Gallon. Now, that would have been my goal of a century if it had gone in, just for the pass. I mean, it was brilliant. Talking about passes, Messi's pass for, for Neymar for the third was, was, was incredible. Messi's goal in itself was just like, all right, lads, here we go. I'm going to pull you out of the fire. I'm going to smack one in from 30 yards. I mean, he, he's he's... Messi is absolutely at home right now. Before the game, he was the only player in Europe's top five leagues in double figures for goals and assists. Uh, I think Neymar's there as well now. They, they, they were on fire against Maccabi Haifa. Yes, I know it's Maccabi Haifa. And, and maybe we're over the ego battles. Nobody was fighting over the penalty at the weekend. 
everybody seemed happy that Mbappe managed to get on the get on the score sheet. It was a very good penalty by by him as well. But I think that the Trois game and the Maccabi Haifa game do raise a question: the defence. Now, if you're outscoring your opponents, scoring eleven times, conceding five, most fans will take that. I'm not sure Christoph Galtier will take that, and I'm not sure it'll work either in the latter stages of the Champions League, where of course PSG are absolutely desperate to excel. We've had three at the back. We've looked slightly more shaky with 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 four at the back. Angus, are you with Kimpembe back? He played uh, for the first time since late August at the weekend. If you're Christoph Geltier, are you going back to, to, to that back three? And, and are you surprised by how fragile uh, a PSG defence looked at the weekend with the likes of, of Sergio Ramos in there, with Kimpembe, with, with Bernat, uh, Bernat at right back and at right back? It was not Ashraf Hakimi, it was Nordi Mukiele at, at right back. And he had a very, very good game and he had to make a really important block early on to, to, to prevent Twag going 2-0 up after just 10 minutes. So defensive problems, Angus, and, and, and what do you see the future for, for PSG? A back three or back four? I think that uh, at the moment they're sort of they're kind of getting used to each other, aren't they? I mean, when you think about Ramos didn't really play very much last season. Kimpembe hasn't played this season. And they've got a new man coming in with Mukele as well from uh, RB Leipzig. I think they're, they're all getting used to each other a little bit. And of course, they've got this new, new frame now where they've got three at the back, which initially looked really good. They looked very solid for the first couple of games they used it. But they did have a successful return to four at the back with just the two centre-backs, particularly in midweek. So I, I, I think this is just a question of them. They're getting used to each other. And I think Kimpembe obviously hasn't played very much. He's getting back to match fitness and it's a centre-back partnership, let's not forget. You don't just have great centre-backs. You have great centre-back partnerships. And they've got to get used to each other, I think. And once I don't think it'll take very long. They're both quality centre-backs. I think it will happen very, very quickly. And, of course, they've got Marquinhos in there as well, which uh, will help them because of his experience. And he's the kind of... I think he's the, the form player at the back, if you like, when he plays. I don't think this will last. I think Twa caught them at the right time, I think, with Kimpembe's first game back. I'd just like to add to that. I think I think the future for PSG lies in the back three, not necessarily all to do with the defence itself, but more to do with what two wing-backs, particularly Mendes and Hakimi, can give them going forward and what it allows the M&M to do. If you have those two wing-backs who keep the width, then you allow Messi, Neymar and Mbappe to play very, very close to each other in those close interchanges. And that's what has been, in the early part of the season, uh, been their biggest strength. So I think purely from attacking point of view, I think that the future lies in the back three rather than the back four. And obviously the the change has been instigated by a few injuries um, in that centre-back position. Um, and also Nuno, Nuno Mendes as well, also being injured. But I think long-term, they'll get switched to a back three, even if it feels slightly un-Christophe Galtier, whose reputation is built on defence. It is an indication of, of just how little Sergio Ramos has played because he is now PSG's club record holder in terms of unbeaten starts to, to their PSG career. 30 uh, competitive games now since he arrived at, from Real Madrid a year ago uh, last, last summer. Pipping Rye, who uh, started with, uh, with 29. Moving on then, Lance are second. Lois Appender coming off the bench to replace Wesley Said. With uh, some 34 minutes left, plundered a hat-trick 
only the fourth player to do so. Angus, you'll be delighted to know there's an Osair player in there, Irinius Yellen. Openda currently top scoring <laughs> Belgium over the top five leagues, which is uh, which is quite some some going. So Lens second, five points behind Paris Saint Germain. Nice though winning at Lorient. Youssef Atal and Gaetan Laborde making a successful return to Brittany, ending Lorient's eight game run. So that means Rennes, previously mentioned by uh, Mr. Mr. Giroud, now into third place. 3-0 winners over Montpellier. That's five straight wins for Rennes. Handily, five straight defeats for Montpellier, or, or less handily for them. And Amin Guiri, five games in a row in which he has scored. He's, he fell a little bit flat at Nice. Seems to be reborn again under Bruno Genesio, who, of course, he knew at Lyon. Are we looking at uh, an Amin Guiri who can finally maybe provide some consistency, Angus? Well, it was certainly looked that way at the beginning. I think he's certainly benefiting from the fact that um, Benjamin uh, Borrejo has rediscovered his creative touch out there on the right-hand side. They play three up front with Terrier on the left, generally, although they actually played Terrier slightly wider on the left at the weekend. But Terrier... He's just going from strength to strength to strength in the same way, in some senses, that Bruno Genesio has gone from strength to strength. Both players were slightly edged out. They weren't really accepted by the, uh, the Leon side, but they have been absolutely embraced by everybody in Brittany. Terrier now is flowing with, uh, with confidence. Another goal for him. Uh, of course, he and uh, Guiri are already developing a wonderful relationship. They haven't got actually many assists for each other. But nevertheless, the general play between them has been sensational. And uh, Borijo seems to be the player that's really linking them back together again. He only had one assist before um, the arrival of uh, Guiri. And he set that up for Gaetan Laborde, just to show you how long ago it was. Um, but he's now set up assists in his last six games, including the last two European matches as well. Ran on the edge of getting into the next round of the Europa League. And it's no accident, I think, that um, they are becoming more and more dangerous with him finding his form that saw him finish only second to Mbappe and Messi in the assist charts last season. They're absolutely spectacular to watch. We talk about the beauty of Paris Saint-Germain, and they are beautiful to watch. There is no doubt about it. But you could do worse than get yourself down to Roseanne Park, where they're unbeaten now in 13 games, because they are playing some lovely stuff. I saw that statistic as well, that massive unbeaten run. I, I think with that game, I, I could be wrong, but I thought it had been stretched to 14. But it, it's just, um, we said it last year. Last year um, on this pod, we really backed them for that third place towards the end of the season because they were the most free-flowing attacking outfit in the league at, at that point, even better than PSG towards the back end of that season. A really difficult start to the season from them. I remember watching them at the Louis de and thinking they were a shadow of the side that they were last year. And uh, I was slightly worried about them, but it, it didn't take a lot for it to turn around. And Greer the really interesting one because he acts a little bit of X factor to that forward line that they maybe didn't have. He's a, certainly a different profile to what they had before. Um, and also they've got Arno Kelimwendo there as well, who has taken his form to Rent as well, which is good to see. So there's a lot going on there in that front line. It's hard to pick one player and say, oh, he's great, he's great. There's a really collective, this goal's running through that attacking line. Um, so I, I bet them to do really well again this season. Um, the the challenge for the podium is going to be really, really difficult. But just like last season, I'm expecting them to be very much in the race for one of those podium places. 
I think it's important to say as well, Ian, that uh, with all of the great stuff that's going on ahead of them, uh, you can't underestimate the role that Lovro Meyer is playing in midfield for Wren because he's tying everything together. Again, an immense performance from him in midfield, tidying up and starting off the attacks and allowing those ahead of him to really show their stuff. I, I wrote down a, a note that um, is Armand Guri an upgrade on Gaetan and Laborde? And I think with, with all the best kindness in the world towards Laborde, you've got to say it is because Laborde does not have the guile that, um, that Armand Guiri has. And Guiri is a confident Armand Guiri is a force of nature. Yeah, and, and Guiri was so good in that first half of last season for Nice. It was really a massive shame to see him tail off, but that wasn't a personal issue, I think. I think that was very much a collective issue at Nice and under Galtier, who it, it just really the wheels came off their attacking unit. They just suddenly... Everyone was running into cul-de-sacs. Nobody, everyone was running towards the corner. There was no options. He was forced to cut inside and, and, and pull back a little bit. And it was a shame to watch because in that first half of the season, he really showed flashes of confidence. But I think as the chances dried up, as as the threat dried up from, from Nice, I think he started to look a little bit more nervous on the ball, quite aware that he wouldn't have another chance for a while. And I think that played in his mind a little bit. You don't have such an issue at Wren, and I think that's at least part of the reason why he, he's flourishing there. Well, talking of uh, sides that are a shadow of their former selves and talking about challenging for a top three position, it's the uh, weekly let's throw Angus to road under the bus moment where uh, Strasbourg are still struggling, but they did manage to get a point. Remember, um, if you if you don't remember, I'll just remind you, Angus, I think, tipped uh, Strasbourg to, to win the Champions League this season. Was it, I, Angus? I, was that? Top three. I did not tip them to win the Champions League. Let's, let's just build this up. This is like Chinese whispers, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Although I, I don't feel like I was run over this week, at least. At least they showed some gumption coming back. In, in, indeed, they did. Uh, Jeremy Clayman saw this one. Strasbourg against Marseille. Now there's a break on here and a bit of space. John Anverito asks a lot of Dimitri Payet, but it's wonderful feet from... There's Marseille number 10, bundled over, and it's cleared off the line. Just as we finish seeing the replay, Bamba Dieng strikes again. Alomeno, Marseille have threatened, and Tudor side, a goal to the good early in the match. Ball's run through Dieng, and it's played across, and surely a tap in. Issa Cabore doubles Marseille's advantage. A wonderful ball opened the door. And Cabore finished off thanks to the assist from Jonathan Klaus. He gets back to the Strasbourg number nine. Fires it into Delen. Does well to control. The ball whipped in. Motiba! Back on the score sheet. And there is a lifeline for Racing. Gamero with the dynamic run. He got it back to Delane. But it's a wonderful bowling. And suddenly the sea parted. The Marseille defence was nowhere. And Motiba off the chest. And then smashed it past Paul Lopez. Game on. But now... Strasbourg are just looking for survival. And they should have had a point maybe there. Gamero again. Well, what a save from Paul Lopez. 
Yamzi joining those up top because it's almost last chance saloon. Dagba, dancing feet, hooks it back. Belgard will deliver early. It's falling to Gamero! It's an absolute stunner! Lameno explodes thanks to a worldly strike from Kevin Gamero. Well, Marseille were cruising to victory, but they fell asleep. Belgard's hopeful ball in. It fell kindly, but that is certainly the goal of the week. Well, it's a deflection, but Camaro's not going to care. So Marseille throwing away three points down to fifth place, 11 points off top spot. I think we can write that one off already, but six points already off second. Four games without a win, and that, remember, after going unbeaten in the first nine, they did avoid defeat or, well... It might not feel that, though, for, for, for the Marseille fans after that, throwing away that 2-0 uh, that, that lead. They did lose to PSG and Lance in that run, but they've also lost to Ajaxio, which started this bad run of form. It's a really bad, bad, bad result. And now Strasbourg. Where are the wheels coming off uh, for Marseille, Angus? They are. Well, I'm glad I didn't tip them because, uh, you know, otherwise you'd be blaming me for that as well. But um, no, Marseille, it's... They were so strong, weren't they, a few weeks ago? They were the, the top challengers to Paris Saint-Germain. And uh, that defeat against Ajaxio just seems to have kicked them in the ribs. And um, it, they just haven't really recovered since then. They, 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 they're struggling a little bit like they were at the end of last season to really come up with um, all the goals. And in one sense, they were handed um, second place at the end of last season. So perhaps the problems that they had then haven't totally gone away. They're a team that really rides on confidence even though they've got rid of uh, their Argentine coach now. But um, Igor Tudor made, a, 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 well, he made a, an iffy start, didn't he, to begin with. But then things started to, to get going. But I, I don't think that they're really out of the woods yet in terms of really being a solid challenger to Paris Saint-Germain. It's, it's funny, isn't it, how the discourse can change so, so quickly? Because uh, going into the match against PSG, we were talking about them being a genuine challenger to PSG this season uh, and a challenger for the title and suddenly within the space of just a few weeks in this you know very very packed schedule uh, you you really uh, enchaîne the match you really uh, get those matches thick and fast <laughs> a little bit um, I think the French expression for that is a lot better than the English expression but um, it is I agree but uh, yeah it, it's quickly quickly turned around and it's gone from yes they can challenge for the title to Leon, who were Ligue 1's crisis club, uh, in next week's Choc des Olympiques, if Leon win that, they're only one point behind Marseille. I think that's quite uh, quite insane given the respective uh, chatter around those two teams this season. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a sign of the desperation, if you like, of, of Igor Tudor that we had Bomba Dieng, who's not even in the squad list for uh, Marseille's European adventures this season. He, he was set to leave the club uh, in the summer, it was first Leeds, then Nice, and then I think pretty much anywhere else they they tried to get rid of him too. And he he got the opening goal. I think that's just a sign of of, of Tudor trying to scrabble around and, and and look for solutions as he also tries to give key players like Alexi Sanchez a bit of a rest. And that's because Tuesday night in the Velodrome, one stand's going to be closed. There'll be fifty four thousand 
absolutely fervent Marseille fans in there. I'm going to be there as well. I am hugely looking forward to this. I mean, hugely. Gentlemen, Marseille against Spurs. The group is entirely open. Marseille benefited from huge largesse from Sporting Lisbon. They were very. I thought they were unlucky not to get a point against Frankfurt uh, last week, which would have made a, a, a perhaps not so much of a difference. They would still have to probably win against Spurs to to go through. How do we see that one going? Can Marseille knock Spurs out of the Champions League? Luke. Well, after Tottenham's match last week, Hugo Lloris said that this match would be like a final for Tottenham. So judging by that, they'll probably lose. Um, but I think Marseille, uh, <laughs> it's it's so hard to say. Obviously, there's been a good amount of preparation put into this. There's a massive turnover, not massive, but a decent turnover in that squad for the mid uh, for the weekend match, and they'll have a few fresh players. Uh, you don't know what kind of Marseille you're going to get, but I think the atmosphere is a factor that should be should be taken into account for this match. Tottenham are extremely inconsistent in Europe and also in their domestic championship. So there is a feeling that there is a bit of a chance here for Marseille, and I mean only win is gonna, only win will do in this match. So they really have to have to go for it, and I think they will go for it. I think that Marseille will at least get a couple of goals. I'm going to be kind and back them to win for once because I never do. Um, and uh, I hope they do. I hope they do. Angus, how do you see this one going? Well, it's difficult to tell this one because, I mean, Tottenham have not been in spectacularly good form of late. They've lost three of their last six games in the Premier League and uh, were taken very close by the mighty Bournemouth uh, the weekend. So it depends on whether or not you get the likes of Harry Kane and uh, Son, Son Min Hyun turning up or not uh, for me. If they turn up, then I think Marseille's defence crumbles. Uh, I don't think that they would compete very well against the speed that Spurs can bring. But to be honest with you, with the way both these sides are playing at the moment, I think it's very much an open game, as it is in a completely open group. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a fabulous atmosphere, as it is here on this Monday morning, as you're listening to Luke Entwistle, Angus Tarod and me, Ian Holyman, on Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 podcast. Don't forget to rate us on all your usual official uh, podcast platforms. Uh, subscribe, tell friends, pets, strangers in the street, whoever you like to, to join the, <laughs> the, the, the Le Bourgeois family. You may get some strange looks, but uh, we, we may also get some, some extra listeners. Now, Seko Fafana missed a penalty for Lens, surprisingly. Yahia Fafana saved one for Angers. Wissam Ben Yedder missing again from the uh, from the penalty spot. Apparently, his eighth the penalty miss. No, no league and players missed more apparently since stats were were initially collated. But Monaco coming through to win two goals to nil. Brielambolo and Alexander Golovin in his one hundred and fiftieth game for the club. Monaco up to sixth. Then they've scored in the last twenty three games in Ligue 1. Only Inter Milan, apparently, are on a better run in the current uh, top five European leagues. Luke, decent performance at the uh, at the Stade Louis Deux. And, and was it perhaps that you weren't on the team bus en route uh, to the game? Because uh, just for, for the listeners, I, I actually met Luke in person down at the uh, Stade Louis Deux earlier this season as they uh, took on on Sport. And uh, Luke was happily telling me that he was going to fly with the team to Trabzon the following week. And uh, the result of that was, Luke? 4-0. Not for Monaco. 
Yes, it is quite. So um, they they managed to shake off uh, your your curse, the the end whistle curse. I think we'll we'll call it from now on, uh, and win it win it the weekend. Um, looking good again. Yeah, I mean it's just quite interesting that Ben Yedder statistic. Uh, that's a lot of penalties to miss, but also paradoxically he has scored the most penalties in Liga in the twenty first century. It's uh, it's quite a, a, a an incredible statistic I find. Um, it was a difficult match for Monaco. The first half, it could have gone really either way. I think that Monaco started okay in the opening few minutes, and then Angers had a couple of opportunities on the break that really uh, made the Monaco side very, very nervous, and that started to show in their play. And Angers defended well. They were very, very compact in their block in the first half. But there had been a massive turnover because, obviously, next Thursday, this Thursday, I should say, they're playing Red Star Belgrade. So there was a little bit of rotation in that side. But as soon as you got some of those first teamers back, uh, Vanderson was on about less than 10 minutes before he set up Breelin Bolo. Uh, after that, straight after that goal, uh, Caio Enrique and Alexander Golden came on and they made a huge difference as well. Once they got the second, they were in cruise control a little bit. It was a very necessary win. It only... They'd not won in their last four games, which for a side like Monaco, is um, it's not really their standard, is it? So I think the win was very much needed. And also that gives a little bit of a boost for Thursday, which is a huge match. Um, so yeah, things may be turning around again at Monaco. It's one of those sides that it feels as though it's, it's fluctuating. It always feels that way with them. Um, they, apart from last season, towards the end in those last nine, ten games, um, they struggle to really get very long runs going and it feels like the the discourse around them just just changes so frequently but feels like uh, they're back on the right track a bit well uh, d- don't worry luke uh, unlike monaco we will be Thank inviting you, you back <laughs> now it's time for deja who we wrapped up our we have wrapped up our october competition i'm sure you're desperate to to, to know the answers by the way the answers to our um, our email address league one podcast at gmail.com the winners then for or the winner for october got these answers jeremy menez remember him youngest player to score a league and hat trick and fastest hat trick aged at 17 while he was at sosho uh, in a se- in a 7 minute burst in a 4-0 win over bordeaux robbie our executive producer being uh, particularly heavy on the detail there. George Ware, father of uh, Losks, <laughs> Timothy Ware, of course. There was a father and son connection too, to uh, answer three. Yuri Jokaev, whose dad, Jean, also scored for uh, France. They, I think they both also scored for Paris Saint-Germain, I should imagine. Marcus Turam, uh, Robbie notes, hasn't scored yet for France, but uh, almost certainly will. Turam, actually in uh, fabulous form in Germany for Borussia Mönchengladbach right now. So uh, making a real late push to get back into the France squad ahead of uh, some competition that's coming up alarmingly soon. And Daniel Bravo, uh, Le Petit Prince, all four of them played for Monaco and PSG and in Italy. Bravo with a season at Parma. The winner, the moment you've all been waiting for, and especially Katie McClintock, who wins the shirt this month. Well done to you, Katie. Please get in touch and we'll be uh, sending on that shirt to you. So a new month, almost, upon us and uh, time for a new Deja Who. Who am I? In just my second season as a professional, I won my first trophy, the Belgian Cup, before a move back to 
French football. After a slow start, I became a club legend, helping my team to four Ligue 1 titles and a Coupe de France triumph. My goal-scoring feats made me one of the most feared strikers in Europe. A world record transfer fee saw me leave France yet again, and while the trophies kept coming, some disappointing individual form ultimately saw me move to the fourth country of my footballing journey, where I won my second continental trophy. I returned to France yet again and ended my playing career away from the mainland. Who am I and what was my dramatic relationship with the Champions League? Hmm. Cryptic as usual from Robbie Thompson. As I said, your answers please via email to league1podcast at gmail.com and uh, remember, you have to get all the answers right from uh, in each podcast and the special connection to uh, have a chance of winning the shirt at the end of the month. Good luck. So we've dealt with the top six at the bottom. Angers, uh, Angers management, as it were, propping uh, everybody up. Not doing very well in that uh, particular respect. Must be very frustrating for Gérald Batik. Ajaxio only above them on goal difference. And why is that Angus Tarot? This is the reason that Angus woke up today with uh, even more enthusiasm than usual. Well, it's actually, you could go further than that. It's actually the reason why I actually woke up today. Um, because, uh, <laughs> yes, well, Ajaxio, um, uh, they're always going to struggle because they just don't really have attackers that are capable, I think, of really punching their way to this level, despite the fact that they had the tightest defence in Ligue 2 last season. That's not going to be enough, I don't think, to keep them up in, uh, in Liga. I don't think I'm going to be embarrassed by this at the end of the season. I think that is going to happen. And unfortunately, the Corsicans will be heading back to Corsica and League Dirt next season. Oser, you could argue, is the, the same thing. I, I don't think they've ultimately got the, the power up front uh, to really come through, even though they won at the, the weekend, but it was against the Jaxio. Uh, I think, though, there was a significant one in terms of Christophe Pellissier came in. And the reason why it's significant is he immediately changed the, um, the structure of the team and brought in a 4-4-2, um, which he tried three times, actually, with L'Oreal last season, uh, both times against Paris Saint-Germain against Lille. He got a 1-1 draw out of the first one and hammered in the other two. So I don't quite know how sustainable that's going to be. But nevertheless, it seemed to make them a bit more solid. But I come back to the, the same thing, is that they're against the Jaxio, who are not exactly the most threatening attack in the league. So unfortunately, I think this is a little bit of a false dawn and we will see um, a resumption of them struggling again afterwards. But, you know, I suppose at least they're not in the bottom four. So that's something to be happy about. Indeed they are. Hamza Saki's goal enough at the Stade de la Bédéchon <laughs> to put a smile on Mr. Tarot's face <laughs> and uh, take Auxerre out of the bottom four. Quite a stunning statistic Christophe uh, Pellissier, I nearly said Galtier, but that's uh, maybe for the future. Pellissier, with the uh, first debut Ligue 1 win for an Auxerre coach ever. Strasbourg are back into the bottom four. Bottom four, Angus, not the top three. Despite that point uh, against uh, Marseille, Nantes and Brest are still in trouble, but they got a point this weekend at home to Clermont and Reims, respectively. Montpellier too, of course, with five defeats in a row for them. On their Wikipedia page, under coach, it says vacant. I think that pretty much uh, sums it up. Although I did look on their uh, their official club page and did note that they have a lot of backroom staff and every single one of them has initialed 
sportswear. So I'm thinking that, Mr. Thompson, perhaps uh, we also need uh, our initials on official League on uh, <laughs> podcast, podcast sportswear. <laughs> anyway, moving swiftly on from my sartorial demands. We've got, we've got one game left. It was a biggie. It was probably bigger in the first decade of the millennium uh, than it is right now. But Leon against Lille at the Groupama Stadium, Armel Tongi was watching this one. And Cabello has played in Jonathan David over the top of Anthony Lopez. It's off the inside of the crossbar. And Leon thanking their lucky stars. Malo Gusto more than any. He decided not to go and meet that uh, dangerous ball back from Thiago Mendes. Cabello's ball, ideal into Jonathan David. Oh, the chip was lovely. There's Diakite. Switch from left to right in this... Uh, sorry, right to left in the second half. Here he goes, Diakite in the middle. Angel Gomez with a chance. It's turned away by Anthony Lopez. That, without a doubt, 30 seconds before the hour mark. The biggest chance of the game. And Angel Gomez will want to have it all over again. Lopez flying to his left to keep it out. Tagliafico for Lacazette. The deadlock broken. The man who scored the first goal of Laurent Blanc's reign has the first home goal of Laurent Blanc's reign. And in the big Sunday night game, it's Olympique Lyonnais who have the lead in front of their sellout crowd. Does that goal mark the return of good times to this part of France? Starved of trophies since the European Super Cup in 2013. Laurent Blanc now in the hot seat. Lacazette up front. And the return of the number 10 proving to be a successful one so far. In a game of few chances, it's Lyon who struck first. An eighth goal of the season for Lacazette. Can they hold on now? So Alexander Lacazette with his fourth of the season. Larry White hitting all the right notes for Lyon. And so he gets back-to-back wins. And a lot of credit too, Luke, for switching the tactics at half-time. He started with a back three. Damien De Silva, I'd almost forgotten that he was in the Lyon squad, I think Peter Boss had uh, as well, was taken off. Johan Le Penon was brought on, played very, very well as we had seen him under, under Peter Boss. Uh, Leon going with the back four. Also a touch of luck, Jonathan David hit, hitting the woodwork again, four times this season, apparently more than any player in the top flight. But uh, Leon coming through with, uh, with the three points. And, and as you said, Luke, Lille seventh, they're only two points and one place ahead of Lyon, who have been the, the this is the very very sick patient of French football all this season. That the French media would have us believe. Uh, yeah, they very much were. <laughs> I mean, Laurent Blanc has, has sorted one thing quite quickly, uh, and it's provided them with some kind of defensive base, and that's what they really really lacked under Peter Boss. Uh, that switch to the four helps as well. Taliafico, who was quite an exciting signing in the summer, um, but didn't really hit any of the right notes in the in the beginning of the season. Had a great game. It's the first time I've seen him have a great game in a in a Leon shirt. 
And he really was bombing forward and, and he did that quite well. But um, yeah, I, I think the key here is all about the defence because we know that if you give Lacazette a couple of chances, chances are he'll stick at least one of them away. Um, so it's about being maybe slightly more pragmatic and understanding the strengths and the weaknesses of your team and just trying to provide something at the back because at boss they were with boss sorry they were so so open um it was so easy for teams even towards the bottom of the table to cut them open and, and work them out and, and work on attacking phases to, to easily cut through them so i think it's it's a good start for Laurent blanc and it's it is funny that suddenly they're back in the conversation for the european places when they were lower lower half of the table for for the beginning of the season so yeah a good shift there at, at Lyon and uh, I wouldn't bet against them potentially getting something against Marseille next week yes the Olympico next week Angus Lyon Larry White Laurent Blanc uh, are we are we it's a bit early but I'm going to give you the opportunity to to make a fool of yourself again uh, for, for later editions just in case Strasbourg do come good hey um is that is that the that's looking is it's been a good start of course new coaches usually give their 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 team a bounce but is that is that a combination that you think will work and and if so why why will it work well uh, first of all i don't think we should get too excited yet about um, what leon are doing i mean you mustn't forget they were bouncing up um, just below the european places for most of last season without managing to get in so they haven't managed to um, to do that quite yet he made a losing start of course but it was a good performance uh, at least in uh, Laurent Blanc's opening uh, match we know how successful he was at Paris Saint-Germain he's their most successful coach so we know that he knows how to win as a player and a coach so it's a, I think it's a very good assignment for him he's got plenty of talent there even though they have been steadily leeching their best talent over the last few seasons which has not helped Leon in their uh, progression um, but I must be. I I don't know what to think about them yet because I thought they were going to break through last season. They threatened to do it several times and didn't. So I think the the jury is still very much out on them. Yeah, just just back on that clean sheet. The first clean sheet since Angers on September the third, and only their second of the season. So notable. It it is indeed Taliafico with a fan, fantastic ball in as well. Uh, and as as I said, Lille a little bit unlucky. I mean, Paulo Fonseca's side have, have kind of flown a little bit under the radar considering all the turmoil that they had uh, through last season uh, and, and and players leaving, notably notably Sven Botman. But, I mean, Thiago Jallo was always going to be a very, very good replacement for, for him alongside alongside Jose Font. David's form has been excellent. Remy Cabell has done his part. Adam Unas as well has, has come in and looked pretty good. But Lille, third away loss in four. That's, that's a bit of a worry. And, and the fact as well, I mean, Apart from fortune, sort of uh, turning, turning our face away from them. Fifteen shots didn't manage to hit the the, the back of the nets. Do they have Do they have what it takes to 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 get into those European places? Come sort of come the business end of the season, or or are we looking sort of uh, the classic season, the transition season for for the Northerners, Luke? Well, I think we could you could probably argue the same thing or for Angus. both these clubs. To be honest with you, they had. Oh, sorry. I thought you said Angus. <laughs> um, you could argue the same thing for both of these clubs, Ian, because last season they had very similar seasons. They they were never really in relegation problem, but they were never really in the um, the top spots either. And I think that the, the current season has started off a little bit better for Lille. They have had quite a few victories. 
They are just outside the uh, the Champions League places again, but very much like uh, Leon, I think they are kind of rebuilding to try to get over the glories of the past, more recent for Lille than for, for Leon. But um, I think, again, they, we, we don't really know quite where they are going yet. Yeah, I mean, the issue for me is that there are just so few European places and so many teams that we are backing to finish in Europe currently. Um, <laughs> and that's the age-old problem. Um, so it's uh, <laughs> it's a difficult one to say. Um, they're a good team. I think what it alludes to is that there will be a good battle for those European spaces this year and that it will be tight and exciting and will go down to the final game uh, or games of, of the season. I think that Leon could come back at it a little bit, though I don't think they're fighting for anything higher than, than you know maybe fifth. Um, potentially the same with Lille, but there are just so many teams that were saying, yeah, they'll finish on the podium, they'll get in the top five. So um, some will have to drop off. I think one uh, is quite obvious, um, Lorient. And Lance, can they keep up their form and be on the podium or are they more of a challenger for the top five? It's hard to know with them right now, but uh, lots of teams in in it. And uh, I think Lille will be there or thereabouts come the end of the season. I think that the the one thing about this season, though, is that we can't underestimate just how much that World Cup break is going to maybe influence things when they all come back again, because we're really going into the unknown. There's only a couple of games domestically now to go until that uh, six-week break, three matches if you're in Europe. And then how are they going to cope with that? A lot of players, of course, will go off to Qatar. What sort of condition will they be in when they come back? Of course, that's going to affect the bigger teams much more than perhaps the the smaller teams who don't have so many going away. I think for Lance, um, Lance have made such a fine start, the best in their history, that all the other teams that have made that similar start have all ended up in the Champions League at the end of the season so and they have been threatening this for the last couple of seasons and they keep on building they keep on building and this season might see them go there but they've been in the Champions League places the last couple of seasons and then drifted away towards the end of the season to finish seventh I think this season I think they will finish in Europe but I'm not sure that will be in the Champions League yeah to be into actually Lance will not have that many players going to the World Cup but Penda looks like he'll be heading off Medina uh, maybe maybe with Argentina. I think, crucially, Seco Fofana will not be going. Um, mm. and, and and teams, obviously, who have players who go deep into that Qatar World Cup, they're going to come back. And remember, Ligue 1 starts again on the 28th of December. And I think the World Cup final, if memory serves, is 10 days before that. Uh, I don't expect, uh, I don't expect um, Medina might actually be in that World Cup final, uh, given the way that Lionel Messi's playing right now. That wraps up match day 13 in League and Uber Eats. And all it takes now is a little trip into the future as we look ahead to next weekend. Let's enjoy a bon voyage. So looking ahead to what is the penultimate round of Liga in action ahead of the World Cup. We start on Friday, big one for Troyes as they are at home to uh, Angus Tarod's favourite team, Auxerre. Ajaxio, they have a home game too and it's a massive one in terms of positions at the bottom of the table as they welcome Strasbourg. While Angers, they're at home as well on Saturday evening. It's bottom against second with Lens, the visitors 
the stad Raymond Copper. Paris Saint-Germain away at Lorient on Sunday. Nice at home to Brest. Lille at home to Rennes. There's a nice one. And then to wrap things up, we've got the Olympico. Where would you like to go, guys? Start with Luke. That's a pretty great game week, I'd say. Um, an ultimate one, as you said, before the World Cup. Uh, I quite like the look of Lorient PSG. Um, I think I could temporarily revise my comment about Lorient if uh, if they pull off a result there, <laughs> uh, only temporarily. But I think that's a really interesting one. I think if they lose that, then all of that kind of momentum that they built at the start of the, start of the year will have sipped away a little bit. But there's also the the Shakhtar Olympique and and Los Ren promises for lots of goals, but I'll I'll stay with Lorient PSG is is my game of uh, game of the game week. It seems it seems to me as well that Lorient have had a little bit of a little bit of success against PSG in in recent times, winning three uh, two back in the 2021 season at home. They drew at home with PSG last season, so unbeaten in the last two at home to PSG. I'll not read out the rest of their results against PSG <laughs> recently because they've been absolutely smashed, but still. Will be a great game at the at, at the Stade du Moustoir, certainly. Angus, uh, are you heading to the Champagne region perhaps on Friday? No, I think that I'll be heading for the Velodrome, to be quite honest with you, because I think that's going to tell us an awful lot about what's going to happen with the Champions League places this season. Marseille, who need to get back to some winning form desperately, uh, at home as well, against fans who are not always the most patient. Um, so they need to put up a good performance here against a Leon side who are beginning to take the confidence from having a proven winner in charge of them in Laurent Blanc. And I think that that could be quite a tussle. I mean, we've been rightly, I th- mocking, I think. We've been rightly mocking sorry, uh, Angus for his Strasbourg uh, prediction. Uh, but I'd like to bring up one of my own good predictions to, to Bart. Rightly. <laughs> uh, which was that Marseille wouldn't make the Champions League mm. this season, which uh, was controversial at the time. But uh, yeah, I, I think if... That match goes the way of Lyon. I think you, you start questioning whether or not their podium material this year. They, they'll make Europe, but not necessarily the Champions League. I have to say, I think for, for me, the, the, the standout fixture, maybe aside from that Olympico, is the, is the Martin Terrierico or the uh, Benjamin Andreico, mm. I think you could <laughs> call it, the, uh, between, between Lille, Lille and Rennes uh, on, on Sunday at, at 5 all five local local time and Lille, you may remember that tremendous game that they had against Monaco in their in their last home outing. I think that one. Well, I'm not sticking my neck out here to say that one will have a lot of goals in. Let's look at the prediction next week when it's a nil nil and uh, there's been three shots on target through, throughout the ninety minutes. No, of course there won't be. Both teams will both teams will no. absolutely go for it, and I, I think that that will be that will be the standout match of what is an excellent match day fourteen. It's also been an excellent uh, Monday morning podcast with uh, Luke Entwistle from the sunny Côte d'Azur. We all hate you, Luke, for, for living down there. Uh, Angus Rhodes, who lives uh, out in the uh, Parisian region countryside, and me up in Normandy, Ian Holyman. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next week. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. Messi again. This time maybe Messi's done it.